The following message was recorded at New Beginnings Church in Slidell, Louisiana. Please feel free to duplicate and share this message as you feel led. And you are invited to visit us at New Beginnings Church at 330 Robert Boulevard, Slidell, Louisiana, 70458. Our Sunday services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening services at 7 p.m. If you have any questions, call us at 985-781-4663. And may God richly bless you as you listen to this message. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you that you are with us always. In this new covenant, you are with us always. It's so awesome. Union, union with you is awesome. Lord, I pray by the power of your spirit that tonight and this weekend we would hear things maybe that we have maybe never heard before, see things maybe we haven't seen before. Lord, I pray that your love would break through. Hereby we perceive the love of God that he gave himself for us. Hereby we perceive the love of God that he gave himself for us. And we have come to know and we believe we have come to know and we believe the love that God has toward us. Thank you, Father. Father, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that each person here tonight would experience would experience, would experience your love. Every person here, I pray, Father, would be encouraged and experience the love of God, the love that is not of this world. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, when the, when, the, when, the, uh, when the church first started, um, there was a pure gospel. There was a pure gospel of what Jesus did and the finished work of Christ. And after two or three centuries, it got watered down. It got mixed with law. And the leaven of the law got into the gospel and began to leaven the pure gospel of Christ, the simplicity of Christ. And what happened was we, we ended up with, um, just to put a name on it, we ended up with Roman Catholicism. Roman Catholicism, in, after the first two or three hundred years after the gospel was being preached, added to the gospel that you had to be, you had to do good things to be righteous. You had to work to be righteous. Um, and so Roman Catholicism added this thing about working to be righteous. And then a few years, 
actually a few centuries later, was the, the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation, and Protestant being, meaning protesting the people saw that this is not, this is not right. You know, the, it's not a matter of us working to be righteous, but so they protested the, this thinking that you had to, to work to be righteous. And we call that the Protestant Reformation. And, and the Protestant Reformation was a protest, a, a protesting of a, a teaching that said by being good or doing good, you're righteous, but, and they had, they, they got, they had a lot right. They didn't have all of it right, but they got a lot, a lot of it right. We call it the, the Reformation. Um, they said that, no, you're righteous if you simply believe. The Roman Catholics taught that you have righteousness imparted to you if you do, if you do. And as you do, righteousness was imparted to you. And part of that doing was partaking of the sacraments and whatever the church said you had to do. And you would do in order to be righteous, and righteousness was imparted to you. And if you weren't quite righteous enough when you died, you would go to purgatory, and the rest of it would be purged out of you. That's what they teach today. To this very day. I see the heads. Yes. So that... If you're not righteous enough by your doing, then you go to this place called purgatory, and they, in that place they purge you to make you more righteous until you're righteous enough to pass on. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad you laughed because it, it, is a laughable ma- it is a laughable matter. You cannot do enough to be righteous. But that's what is taught, and a lot of people, some of your neighbors, believe that. The Protestants believe that, no, 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 you can't, you can't do enough to be righteous. No one can do enough to be righteous enough to go to heaven. Because the truth is, you have to be perfect. Perfect. You have to be perfect to go to heaven. Nobody goes to heaven unless they're as righteous as God. That's the truth. Um, the Catholics teach that you can do enough to get a long way there, and then purgatory will take care of the rest. Purgatory meaning, really, it's a, it's a concept of punishment and purging for what you didn't accomplish in your, your life on earth. You know, people say, you know, I think I've, I've done pretty good. I've, my good outweighs my bad, and whatever bad I've done is going to be purged away in purgatory, and I'll make it. bad news is that there's no such thing as purgatory. The Protestants say, no, 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 no. You, don't, you, you cannot have righteousness imparted to you. It must be imputed to you as a gift. Imputed. Catholics say impartation, by doing good, you get more and more righteous. Protestants, Baptists, Methodists, all the Protestants, they protest that. They say, no, it's imputed. It's a gift. A gift. Well, the Catholics didn't have it all wrong. The Protestants had it almost right. There is an imputation of righteousness in Christ, no doubt about it. 
He who has received the gift of righteousness, the amazing, this amazing grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus. There's no question about it. There's faith. Justification is by faith alone, by Christ alone. But Martin Luther said this. He said the believer, and Martin Luther being one of the Protestants, obviously, Martin Luther said the believer is a person who has, a person who has believed in Christ is just a person who is dung covered by snow. It's a direct quote from Martin Luther, one of the reformers, one of the, the foundational leaders of the Protestant Reformation said, we are but dung covered by snow, the snow being the righteousness of Christ as a gift, but we're still dung. Saints, we are in the middle, maybe on the beyond the middle, of a major breakthrough in church history. There is a righteousness that is imparted. And there is a righteousness that is imputed. Where the Protestants missed it, and where the Catholics missed it, has to do with Something so amazing. There was a secret hidden in God before the world was. Do you know what turned the world upside down? The book of Acts said they came with this message and turned the cities upside down. You know what turns religion upside down? is the gospel that says, the true gospel that says, you have not only been given the gift of righteousness, you and I in Christ have been created new in Him. And a righteousness has come to you that is actual not just fictional, not just a legal fiction, not just a legal fiction, but a reality. You and I actually raised in Him have a new heart. You won't hear the Protestants say much about the new heart. You know why? Because they think you're, they think you're dung covered by snow. But the truth is, the Christian doesn't have an evil heart anymore. It's what, they, what spiritual circumcision is all about. You and I, in Christ, you have a new heart. God did something so amazing. He actually he took the power of sin and quarantined the power of sin into our members, into our body. That's why the apostles talked about the power of sin in our members, in our body. You never hear that taught, but it's in all the churches. I mean, it's all the, in all the scriptures. Look, read the letters of the apostles. The apostles taught about the power of sin being relegated to our members, the members of our body, the flesh. That's why it's called the flesh. The body. 
You know, we talk about walking in the flesh, walking in the spirit. Why does it say flesh? Because it's talking about the body. God literally cut away the inner man away from the outer man in this awesome work of Christ and and totally moved us from this realm, this natural realm, and moved us to the realm where he is in the spirit. It's awesome. We literally, saints, we literally are and this is, this is what's mind-blowing. We are literally as righteous as God himself. Do you believe that? Isn't that awesome? If you believe that he, not, not because of our doing, like the Catholics say, you do and get more righteous. No, that's ridiculous. And more than just what the Protestants say, that you are given this gift of righteousness. No, it's, it, that's true, but it's more than that. God raised us up from the dead and joined us to himself. He did it, not us. He made you as righteous as himself. That's awesome. Isn't that awesome? That's why you and I can go boldly into the throne of to the throne of judgment, grace, right, not judgment, throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's why you can call God Abba, Papa, your daddy, your daddy is God, your daddy, your daddy is God, it's awesome. The Spirit of the Son has come to us and, and in us and cries out, Abba, Papa, Abba, Daddy. Your God is your Daddy. And God Himself is your Papa. Awesome. Once we were not the children of God, Peter said, and now we have become the children of God. What manner of love is this that God, God would call us His children. What manner of love is this? God himself has raised us up from the dead. We were dead in our sins and transgressions. We were joined to the flesh. We were part of this body, part of this Adamic race. We were part of the the race of Adam. We were part of the fallen race. We were from below and not from above. He raised us up in a great mystery that was hidden in God before the foundation of the world. Christ himself plunged the whole human race into death and judgment on the cross and judged every person on the cross. Every person was judged on the cross. Every person for every sin that ever could be committed. Everyone, every single one. That's how the Father saw the cross. It was like Noah's flood. Isaiah says, Isaiah 54 says, this is like the waters of Noah to me. Isaiah 53, we read Isaiah 53 about the cross. We read that about he was bruised for our iniquities. He was crucified for our sins. But we don't read the the next chapter, Isaiah 54. Right after Isaiah 53 is Isaiah 54. And and men put chapters in there. There was no chapters when Isaiah flowed in the Spirit and wrote. And Isaiah 54 says that this, this, this death, this death of this Messiah is like the waters of Noah to me. God says that. Read that. Isaiah 54 says, this is like the waters of Noah to me. I will not be angry with you though the mountains fall and and collapse, though your life is in shambles. I will not be angry with you again. It's awesome. 
Tell my people, Isaiah says, tell my people they have received double for their iniquity. Double. You cannot sin enough to sin beyond the death of Christ. You and I cannot sin enough in ten lifetimes to sin more than the worth and the value of the blood of Christ. You can't. You can't. They have received trouble for their sin. Tell my people, comfort my people, comfort you, my people. Tell them they have received double for their sin. Tell them that this Christ, this Messiah, is like the waters of Noah to me. I will no longer be angry. It's done. He blotted out all flesh. He blotted out all flesh. Just as he blotted out flesh when Noah's boat, a picture of Christ, they went through one door. And they came through that door to another world. Another world. A cleansed earth. As Christ was a picture of the boat, Christ after the flesh was a picture of the, the boat, was a picture of Christ after the flesh, so is the rainbow, a picture of Christ after the spirit, the ascended Christ, the rainbow. It, come, it comes from his throne, the scripture says. I put my bow in the sky, God says. My bow. Ezekiel had a vision of God, the glory of God. He saw a rainbow around the throne. It's God's bow. It's the division of seven divisions of light. You realize music has seven notes in it? That's why you have an octave, eight octave, eight. There's seven notes in music. There are seven colors in light. That's God. Seven to see and to hear. He made it that way. I put my bow in the sky. There will be no more judgment. That's awesome. Awesome. He not only gave us the gift of righteousness, we're not, it's not, not only imputed, it's imparted. It's imparted. The early saints had only imputed righteousness. Abraham believed, and God counted it as righteousness. Imputed, not imparted. Imputed. Regeneration was not possible until Christ came. It, the imparting of God's own righteousness was not possible until Christ came. Jesus said this. He said, no man, no man has ascended into heaven except the Son of Man who has descended from heaven. No man has ascended to heaven but the Son of Man who has descended do you realize, saints, no person ever went to heaven until Jesus came? Nobody. They all descended to what Jesus called Abraham's bosom. It's what he referred to as paradise on the cross. That's why he said, today, to the thief, today you shall be with me in paradise. Paradise is a Greek word that means a protected enclosure. Abraham's bosom. Jesus said that everybody who died before him descended, not ascended. No man could ascend to heaven until the Christ offered his blood on the earth. They all descended, even Elijah and Enoch. You say, well, what about Elijah? He's taken up with chariots. Where was he taken to? He was taken to Sheol. Enoch was and was not. He walked with God. Where did Enoch go? To Sheol. No man 
The Son of God knows what he's talking about. Jesus himself said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, No man has ever entered heaven but the Son of God, the Son of Man, who has descended from heaven. Why? Because he, he must have the preeminence in all things. He must be the first. He must be the first. And he was. He was the first to go into the heavens. And a kingdom was given to him. Daniel saw this. The Son of Man comes to the Ancient of Days. And a kingdom was given to him. Daniel records this vision. Can you imagine the joy of the Father? The Father was with the people in Sheol. The Father's presence was with the people in, in Abraham's bosom. He was with them, but he, they could not be with him like he wanted them to be. God's heart was to bring many sons into glory. Many sons into glory. Jesus prayed, John 17, Father, I pray the glory that you have given me, you may give to them. What is that glory? Sonship. I pray that they would be your children as I am. Many sons. Access, 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 access. Imagine the joy of the Father when, when after the Son went through, that all the, the children from Sheol came. The sons, this is awesome. The scripture, the, the gospel says, the gospel says that some of these from Sheol, from Abraham's bosom. Now, Sheol is the Hebrew word. Hades is the Greek word. It's the same place. Abraham's bosom, Sheol, Hades, same place. Paradise, as referred to from, from the Lord himself from the cross, same place. Paradise, Sheol in the Hebrew, Hades in the Greek, Abraham's bosom in the English, all the same place. Can you imagine what that was like? For the first time, after the son opened the way, the father. I think part of what Jesus was trying to tell us about the, in the parable of the prodigal son. Looking down the road, always looking down the road, the father looking down the road. Part of that parable is the heart of his father looking down the road for all those who would come after the Christ would do that work. Not completely because we're not talking about the same thing. It's not an issue of repentance or, you know, that kind of thing. Or coming to the end of yourself. It, it's, they're already there. They're in faith. They're waiting. But I'm saying there's part of this, part of it, part of it, part of it, part of the heart. of The breaking heart of the Father cannot wait till the sons come home. And they came home. Father, I pray that the glory you have given me, you may give to them. The glory of sonship, you may give to them. Sonship. That they may call you Papa, like I call you Papa. That they may be heirs of God, like I am heirs. Like, like I am an heir of God. Joint heirs with God. Joint heirs with Christ. So saints, what we have, what we have, is unspeakable 
It's unspeakable. And full of glory. To say that you, you and I, sit here tonight with the very righteousness of God as a gift and as an act of creation. God, I love this. My pastor, Clark Whitten in Orlando, I love what Clark says about God does not, does not just cover you with blood, with the blood of Christ and puts up with us. I love that. He doesn't just cover us with the blood of Christ and puts up with us. And, it, and but for the blood of Christ, he would not like us. No. No. He made us new. And he so likes you. He likes you. He likes you. Not just loves you. He, like, he wants to hang out with you. He wants to hang out with you. He likes you for you. Isn't that awesome? You know the heart of God? The heart of God? You know what the whole thing is about? You know what the whole thing is about? You want to hear this? <laughs> the whole thing. This is the whole thing. And you can hear it on the cross. The whole thing is this. The thief said, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. He didn't say it right. He didn't have the prayer right. He didn't get baptized. He didn't do anything right, according to religion. He didn't do anything right. He just said, remember me. You know what the Lord said? What he said is everything. He pushed up on his feet because he couldn't breathe. Crucifixion takes your breath away because you're hanging with your lungs. He pushed up with nails in his feet. And he said, this day. Well, first he said this, which he didn't have to say. It was, it was um, a use of, of, of oxygen that he, that he needed. But he said this. He said, truly, truly. He wanted to emphasize it. Truly, truly, you shall be with, 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 with me today. Today in paradise. They would descend first. Some people read that and say, well, I thought he was going to ascend three days later. He wasn't going to heaven yet. He who first ascended, he, he who first descended, is descended first. Ephesians says that he might then ascend and fill all things. He had to take captivity captive first. He had to go down and release the captives in Abraham's bosom first. But he told the thief, he said, today, today, you'll be with with me you'll be with me will you be with me that is what it's all about i go john in the gospel of john jesus said i go to prepare a place for you that where i am you may be also that's my heart i want to be with you i want you to be with me forever not just when you die, not just when we die, but now and forever. I want to be with you. It's that 
simple and that awesome. God wants to be with you. God wants to be in your shed out back when you're sharpening your tools. God wants to be with you in the kitchen when you're making a cake. God wants to be with us. God wants to be with us. God wants to be with you in your business as you try to figure out how to make ends meet, as you work in your job, as you are a secretary, as you, whatever you do, God God, with your grandchildren, you wants, He wants to be with us. And He has made it so. Nothing, nothing can keep Him from you. Again. If it were not so, Jesus said, if it were not so, I would have told you. I love that. The honesty of Christ. The honesty of the Christ. He goes, if it were not so, if it were not so, I would have told you. I wouldn't give you some uh, hype. That's what Jesus is saying. I wouldn't give you some hype. I wouldn't give you some, some uh, expectation that uh, is not real. Jesus himself said, if it were not so, I would have told you. <laughs> if that doesn't make you lose sleep, over joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. We have not just imputed righteousness as a gift. We have imparted righteousness. A great miracle has taken place. We have been created new in Christ Jesus by the resurrection of the Son. Behold, this day have I begotten thee, the Father said at his resurrection, because in that one day a nation was born. Shall a nation be born in a day? Yes, a holy nation, a royal priesthood in him, a heavenly priesthood, royal from the king and heavenly in the spirit. After the order of Melchizedek, after the order of Melchizedek, higher than Levitical priesthood, higher than the priesthood after the order of Levi or Moses. This is a high priestly order after the order of Melchizedek. Before Levi, for Levi was in Abraham's loins paying tithes to Melchizedek, showing the superior, superior reality of the priesthood, which is after the spirit and you saint you saint are a priest you are a priest you are not only righteous because Christ has made you righteous but you saint are a priest after that order you sit with him in heavenly places you are a priest not after the order of Levi where sins were merely covered on a daily basis, as they confessed their sins, as they offered blood of bulls and goats. For the blood of bulls and goats can never take away sin, but the blood of the Christ can take away sin for all people, for all sin, for all God. And you, saint, are a priest after the order of Melchizedek. You bring bread and wine like Melchizedek brought to Abraham bread and wine. 
you bring the remembrance of his work. And just as Hebrews says, if he, if Christ were on earth, he would not be a priest at all if he were on earth. Hebrews says that. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all because he is not a priest after the law. There must be another priesthood that is not according to Levi. And if there's a new priesthood, Hebrews says, after Judah, Judah, there must be a change of the law. Hebrews, which was foreshadowed even before the law was given in Melchizedek and Abraham. You see it? The law was added temporarily. This whole concept of being forgiven on a daily basis was added. This whole concept of, of sins being covered was added. What God was really after was not a daily forgiveness of sins was not a covering of sins. Psalm 51, David yearns for what you have. David yearned in Psalm 51 prophetically and said, Oh God, you do not desire the blood of bulls and goats. You have no desire for this covering of sins. God, create in me a new heart. Remove my transgressions from me. He yearned for what you have. Yet teachers and preachers lead believers to Psalm 51 when you sin, putting you back under the old covenant. In a mentality, in a thinking that is old covenant mentality. The old covenant was added. It was added. Psalm 51 is not a good prayer for the believer. Psalm 51 has been fulfilled in Christ. He no longer, you, don't, you no longer have to pray, take not your Holy Spirit from me. You no longer have to pray, blot out my sins from me. You no longer have to pray, oh God, created me a new heart, created me a willing spirit. You no longer pray that. It is now in Him the reality. You pray that and you pray yourself back under law and back in the flesh and back in an era before Christ even came. Yet it's part of the Bible. Rightly dividing the word of truth, knowing this, that they, they who desire to be teachers of the law know not this, Paul wrote Timothy. They who desire to be teachers of the law and the mindset that comes from the law, they desire to be that, those teachers of the law and mindset of the law. They know not this, he says to Timothy, that the law is not for the righteous. You see it? Paul wrote that to Timothy. There are those who desire to be teachers of the law and the mindset that comes from the law, knowing not this first, that the law is not. And the mindset of the law, the mindset being a, a, mind, a mindset of separation from God, a mindset of needing my sins covered every day, a mindset of, oh, take not your spirit from me, a mindset of creating me a new heart, give me a new heart, my heart is wicked and evil, a mindset that was pre-Christ, is not for the righteous. The righteous. In Christ. Thanks, brother. Sorry I'm yelling. Ah, it's awesome. You know, I can't, I can't preach this like a normal person. I'm sorry. 
I can't. I can't. I try to start normal. I did. Didn't I try to start normal? Right. What is normal? I really did. I tried to start out calm and, you know, things are falling apart. Thanks, Pat. I don't see how people do it. I really don't. I don't see how people can preach the truth without appearing as if they're crazy. You know, they said of Paul, Paul said, they said of Paul, much learning has made you mad, Paul. I mean, the, the Roman, the Roman official, I mean, the very proper. Paul comes in there with chains. He's chained like this. And he goes, oh, noble Festus. He's he comes across like a crazy guy. He's talking about death and resurrection. He's talking about another realm, another reality. He's like, you know, and Festus is like on his throne going, you almost persuade me, Paul, but you're kind of weird. And Paul goes, Paul, he says, oh, noble Festus, I wish you were just like me except for these chains. That's in the book of Acts. That's in the book of Acts. He goes, oh, noble, I wish you were just like me. I wish you saw what I see except for these chains. I wish you didn't have this. How do you do it? How do you do it? How do you do it? How do you preach this in a calm can't I can't I can't you know why because it is yeah it's hard to share a good thing without getting excited I mean think about it that's so true that's so true so well said think about you know you're you're uh, you just went you just win the lottery and you go next door and you tell your neighbor are you gonna say Oh, by the way, I trimmed my uh, flowers the other night and, and the other day. And was, oh, by the way, also, after I trimmed my flowers, I found out I won the lottery. I won $3 million. What? <laughs> you did what? No, you wouldn't say it like that. You would be like, running next door, forget the flowers, <laughs> telling your neighbor, you're not going to believe this. I won the lottery. $3 million. Dollars. It's good news. You know why? We don't have the excitement and the passion. Because you don't see. The teachers and preachers don't see the good news. You only can teach and preach what you see. You can only bring others to where you've been. I'm telling you, there's a new breed this is two of them right here. There's a new breed of preachers and teachers and believers that see. And it's contagious. They said in the book of Acts, we cannot but speak what we've seen and heard. We can't. They were, they were threatened to be. The, the authority said, if you keep preaching about this Jesus, we'll beat you. And they said, look, you, you be the judge, whether we should obey you or God. We can't help it. We cannot help it. We cannot help but speak what we've seen and heard. And they beat them and said, go out, don't, do, don't teach us anymore. And what did they do? They went out and said, isn't it awesome? We were beaten for him. And they kept preaching. 
That's what they did. They were beaten, and they, they were told not to teach in this name anymore and go out and stop this. And they went out, and they said, this is so awesome. I feel so worthy. I'm not worthy. I feel so honored. I feel so honored that I was considered worthy to be beaten for him. And they continued to preach him. They filled Jerusalem with this teaching about this Jesus, about this new creation, about this righteousness. You know what the Pharisees called the early church? The Pharisees in their writings, the first century Pharisees, called the first century church the dominion. They used the word dominion because they, they talked about the kingdom all the time, the kingdom, the kingdom. They said, no, they're not the, they are the dominion of arrogance. The Pharisees, the legalists, the legalists, the religious called the Christians the dominion of arrogance because they dared claim to be righteous. They dared claim to be as righteous as God. And they said, yes, we are. Not because of our good works. Not because of what we've done. He, he, he has made me righteous. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Awesome. 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 Not ashamed of the good news that God has made me righteous. My own righteousness, filthy rags. But God, he who has received this abundant grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus. Not just imputed, for that's what they had before the Christ. Hebrews 11 says that they saw this promise afar off, but did not receive it. Did not receive it. Hebrews 11, they saw it afar off, but did not receive it. That they would not be perfect without us. That they would not be complete until what God would do would include us. So when He raised them from the dead, in the twinkling, in a moment, He birthed all their spirits, the justified spirits of Mount Zion that Hebrews talks about. We have come to this mountain, not the mountain that Moses was afraid of. We have come to Mount Zion, the spirits, the spirits of justified men, angels, clouds of witnesses brought through. The scripture says they even appeared to their relatives. Some of them appeared, coming out of Sheol, appeared to their relatives and said, he's the one. He has released us from Sheol. And they disappeared. That's in the gospel. It's in the gospel. They appeared briefly to their relatives and their friends and their neighbors, and they said, he is the one. He has released us and disappeared and went on. That's awesome. Is that awesome? I know it sounds like I'm making this up. It's in the Bible. <laughs> It's in the scripture. It's awesome. Because he descended first, then he brought them out. He took captivity captive. That's why the book of Revelation says, I have the keys of Hades and death. I have the keys. That's what he meant when he says, my church shall prevail and the gates of Hades shall not prevail. He's not talking about spiritual warfare there. What he's talking about is that I am, I am bringing a reality that the gates, gates meaning the authority, the authority of Hades, the authority of death, that man was under because of their sin. I have the keys. Amen. The keys of Hades and death. And the gates of Hades 
shall not prevail against my church, my bride, my people. I go to release them now, and I release them in the future. They who believe on me shall never die, but shall live forever. Woo! That's what he meant. The authority of death has no power over you. He who believes on me, he says, I tell you the truth, he says, he who believes on me shall never die, but shall live forever. And he who is dead and believes on me, that's Sheol. That's when he went down. And they, and they who, already, who already died and believes on me shall live. And now when we die as a believer, there's no Sheol for the believer. There's no, there's no Abraham's bosom for the believer when we die. It's absent from the body, present with the Lord. You know why? You know why you ascend and they descended? You ascend when you die in Christ and they descended because you do not have just imputed righteousness like Abraham. You have what they did not have. You have imparted righteousness. He has raised you from the dead. You are created new in Him. You are as holy and blameless sitting here tonight as you'll ever be. You cannot be any more holy or any more righteous as you are tonight. You cannot improve on it. Isn't that awesome? Does that make you just want to just go out and sin? That's what, that's what they say. They say this grace preaching will make people go out and sin. Does that make you want to go sin? Isn't that ridiculous? Paul says, let's show a pattern of good works in all that we do that we might put to silence foolish men who say the gospel of grace makes you want to sin. Paul said that. Let us show a pattern of good works in all that we do that we might put to silence foolish men that say God's goodness makes you want to sin. It is the goodness of God that leads a man to repentance. Religion will make you want to sin. The law is the very strength of sin, the scripture says. Paul says the law is the strength of sin. You want to make somebody sin? You put them under law. You feed the power of the flesh when you put people under law. Paul says that is the very strength of sin. It stimulates the power of sin in the flesh. The law does. Because the law is not of faith. And whatsoever is not of faith is not only just sin, it's also not the way to release the spirit of life. He who believes on me out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. Faith releases life. Law stimulates sin in the flesh. God is, God is awesome. I'm done. Okay. I'm done. I have a yeah, that's, that's just a reference to the body itself. There's a time when mortality shall put on immortality. But the spiritual reality is that we are already seated with him in heavenly places right now. But there is going to be a moment when he returns that the body itself 
those who still are alive and remain at His coming. In, the mo- in a moment, the body itself shall be transformed. And the mortal body shall match the inward reality that's already there. Awesome. Because we'll see Him as He is. And He who has the power to subdue all things unto Himself, Paul says shall subdue even our bodies and transform them to an immortal state, even as we are on earth, if we are here when he returns. That's what that's talking about in in a moment. But those who died before shall be caught up with him and shall come with him in the clouds, the scripture says, in the heavens above. And those who are, are alive and remain shall experience that Rare moment in human history where you don't have to taste death at all, physical death at all, but you will be transformed, those who are alive and remain at his coming. Saints, remember this, just in closing, remember that he did all this. This is awesome. All this is awesome. And you think about it, it makes you more like crazy. In a good way. I mean, you know, I'm a lawyer. I have a law practice. I I stand before judges and I plead my cases. And so I'm not nuts. (laughs) But it does make you spiritually like excited and full of life. So I say that not to say, you know, look at me, whatever. I say that to say, I'm not some, you know, homeless person out there, you know what I'm saying, trying to, you know, I don't know, just be weird. But I'm saying that this truth transforms your life. It transforms your life, the passion. But saints, remember this, that the heart of it all is not all this awesome stuff. The heart of it all is that he wants to be with you. He wants to be with you. He wants to be with you in the morning when you make the fire in the fireplace. When you make your coffee. He wants to be right there. He wants to be with you when you take those walks trying to lose weight. He wants to be with you. Some, maybe sometimes turn the music off and just listen to him. He wa- he's walking with you. He sometimes touches your shoulder in the night while you're sleeping. He does. You don't know it, but he touches you at night while you're sleeping. He can't wait for you to wake up. He wants to be with you. You felt it too. Some of you have felt it. And you thought, this is weird. No, it's him. It's just him. He wants to be with you. This life is a vapor. It's a vapor. This night will come and go. But the truth that was spoken in this night under these stars in Slidell, Louisiana will will be here forever will be eternal. He wants to be with you. 
He wants to be with you. What an honor to take this message to other people. I think it's so cool that I have good news to tell people. I, I, dread, I would dread being a religious person because they have no good news. They have to, they're always trying to you know, modify people's behavior and bring fear and talk about judgment. And, man, when I talk about judgment, I talk about the cross. All judgment fell on the cross. All judgment. Jesus said, he who believes on me shall not, not come into judgment. But it's already passed from death and into life. It's awesome. We have such good news to tell people. We have such good news to tell our neighbors, our friends. You know, you don't have to have a committee on evangelism. Just, just give people the truth and you can't shut them up. You don't have to have a committee on how we can reach our neighbors. No. You don't want to reach your neighbor with a lot of the messages that are out there in the world today. A lot of the church's messages, like, you know. That's why a lot of Christians don't share with their neighbors because they said, why should I invite them to this misery? <laughs> why should I get them to get where I am because I, I'm miserable? I mean, I, that's a, but when you have the truth, you can't shut up. You're like, I can't wait to tell you this. You're not going to believe this. What? What? I, I, God. God has stopped counting sin. What? God has stopped counting sin if your faith is in Christ. For God was in Christ, reconciling the whole world unto himself, not counting their transgressions against them anymore. That is good news. That's good news. Real good news. I mean, what's man's problem? Sin. Our big problem with God is sin. So God took care of the real big problem. He took it away. He took it away. Behold the Lamb of God, who doesn't cover, who takes away the sin of the world. That's the gospel. It is the power of God. Religion hates it. Religion fights against it. Religion doesn't understand it. But it is the power of God. Why? Because it opens the heavens to man, that God might live in you. For I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. It's God's wisdom. For Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And we're not ashamed of this gospel, of this good news, of complete reconciliation. Awesome. Lord, we pray that tonight... Father, I pray tonight every single person here will be so encouraged tonight. So encouraged, Lord. Lord, I pray that the light of the gospel might shine brightly inside every person tonight. Lord, I pray that we would believe in the light while we have the light. Believe in the light while you have the light. Believe in the light while the light is passing by. Tell them the kingdom of heaven came close to them tonight. Tell them another reality is there for them, that they might be with me and die with them. Tell them to believe. Tell them to not be afraid. Tell them to believe.
Lord, I pray that every single person would sleep so good tonight. I pray that they would sleep better than they've ever slept. Every, every worry, every fear, every concern. Casting all our care upon you. For you care for us. You're so good. So good. May they feel your touch on their shoulder tonight. May they feel your embrace. As John laid on your chest, as John laid on your chest and heard your heartbeat, may each one of us hear the heartbeat of God. There's nothing, nothing between you and him now. What shall separate you from the love of Christ? Nothing, nothing, not even your sin can do it. For who shall bring any charge to God's bride, to God's church, to God's sons, daughters? Nothing shall separate you from the love of God that is in Christ. And you shall shine as the stars forever, you who lead many to this righteousness which is by faith, you who have understanding shall lead many to this righteousness which is by faith. And you shall shine as the stars forever. whatever you need ask him we have not because we ask not whatever you need ask him now in your heart of hearts just ask and he will do it ask he hears you he sees you ask What do you need? Ask. What do you need? Ask him.
is worth waiting for. Amen. Amen. I want to give you just a little bit of uh, instructions before you go. For some of you, this is really new. And uh, it may feel abrasive to your thought patterns and some teachings that you've had. Uh, ask the Holy Spirit to make it clear to you. Don't, don't reject it and say, oh, well, it, it, that, that couldn't be true. It is true. What James is telling you is the truth. Um, let James has said this before. Let the truth overshadow. Even those scriptures. I know some of you are thinking, well, there's a scripture that says this, a scripture that says that. Let this truth overshadow that scripture that you have doubt about or questions about and let the Holy Spirit reveal to you the real truth that's there. There's a legal term, uh, use a preponderance of evidence. There's a preponderance of evidence about what James is saying. There are, there are some scriptures and you say, oh, well, it, it couldn't be true because this says that. There are one or two, but believe me, they're not enough to over, overpower the preponderance of evidence of the truth that's there. Not only that, but those, who, those, those scriptures that you think says that yeah. doesn't say that. That's right. And that's there's the study a, part. There's not a single scripture, not a single scripture that there's not an answer for. Not a single one. Not a single one. Amen. All right, so, so I want you to take that with you. Second thing, I want to congratulate you that you were here tonight because a lot of folks said they would come and didn't come, and they're going to be so sorry they weren't here. They got to hear two great messages, one from me and one from James. And, for, and, and Pat's story. story. Hey, man, what more could you want, all right? Those who want to come tomorrow morning, um, I want to share, there's like five different verses that are troubling to believers about in reference to the new covenant of grace. Okay. We're going to just knock them out of the ballpark. Five, five, like 1 John 1, 9 and others. So. That's a good one. 1 John 1, 9 is a biggie. Uh, and also, if you have a question for James, uh, uh, why don't you write their uh, guest registration cards in the seat pocket in front of you. You can write a, a question on the back of that, and we'll get it to James and see if uh, he can... Uh, Sometime before he leaves, I get that answered for you. Okay? Um, is that it? Have I missed anything? CDs, love offering, DVDs, internet, James, one come back tomorrow. It would, one thing, it would help if there was like a, it would help if there was like a line of people showing me how to get here, like on the road. Like yeah, yeah. Yeah, we do need to help him get in and out of Slidell, okay? So, Signs, like, let's all stand. It'll be at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning and then 10 o'clock uh, Sunday morning. If for some reason you can't come back, we are broadcasting live by the Internet. So uh, those of you who are watching by the Internet, so glad you could join us. And I hope this has blessed you. Uh, so we, uh, uh, we're just pleased that uh, James was able to make, finally make it. Uh, actually, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't uh, a half hour late uh, or an hour late. Actually, he's been about five years late. For five years, I've been begging him to come. And he keeps saying, oh, I want to come, I want to come, I want to come. So last time I saw him down in Florida, and uh, he said something, oh, man, I can't wait to get to Slidell. I said, forget about it, James, you're not coming. And then he really got upset. <laughs> and he said, no, no, I'm coming, I'm coming. So I got the calendar out on him, and so here he is. So uh, we're just really so pleased to come. So uh, with that said, uh, you are dismissed in the name of the Lord. Uh, I think there's some coffee perking back there if you want. Fellowship for a little while. You don't have to run off. Or you can come up here and meet the... 
living, I was going to say the late James Barron, but it's actually the living, and George, uh, who was his great chauffeur. George, I'm glad you got him here, safe and sound. You're dismissed. <laughs>